0: And this is Tamson Granger. And this is
1: Dan Abuha.
0: with Tamson and Dan. Read the paper on
1: February sixth, Monday.
0: One of those days, yes. February sixth, yes, two thousand twenty-three. Exactly. We're discombobulated. No, we're not. We're
1: rock, ready to rock and roll. We had a weekend with Hazy, and we're a setback from that. And, and now we a...
0: got sniffles. Well,
1: the sniffles. That's what a, happens when you hang nice... out
0: with a two-year-old.
1: Oh, he's not even two yet, but he's he's a champ at spreading disease. But it's okay. We'll be all right. It was worth it. Right? Am, am I clear right. that it was worth it? He's a cutie pie. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we've had a, a very busy week. Even before we were visited uh, by the Um we went to the movies. You know, like a real couple at <laughs> uh, a movie theater we haven't been to for years. Montgomery, maybe at least a year. Montgomery uh, Cinema, and we saw Living with so Bill. One of small theaters. Yeah. Because well,
0: a lot of the big theaters are closing anyway. Well,
1: this looks like it's hanging by a thread. Yeah,
0: we, we had some bad news. At, uh, one of those big old...
1: Uh, movie theaters closed. Movie the theaters Red Barn, yes. Regal, Red Barn. They're, they're dropping like flies. Yeah. We, we hope they stay open. But anyway, we saw Living with Bill Nye. And um, Living being the story... Uh, well, Why don't you tell the, the background of this? It's kind of interesting. Why don't it. I tell the story? Yeah, it's based on uh, the story
0: is we read about it in the newspaper. Right, we said it was going to be good, and we went to go see it. No, but the
1: story is also it's based on another film, on a Japanese yeah, film, Ikiru. Ikiro, and Ikiru and Okay, Ikiru and uh, it was the screenplay was written by. Iku, for Ikiru?
0: No, this one. No, this is a, a this is a famous Japanese movie. Yeah. Okay, Iki-ru, I got that. We're on to okay, living. do you know Kurosara? Yeah, sure. Like seven. Yes, yeah, seven samurais, samurai. Yes, I'm on to that. Rashomon. Yeah. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so he does. He there. He's famous for a film. Yeah. About a man coming to grips with the end of his life. Okay. Okay. And uh, the novelist, the British novelist uh, Ishiguru, had in his mind that uh, somebody should make a movie. You know, and. A, uh, an English version of this mm-hmm. uh, film. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets roped into actually writing this this screenplay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's starring Bill Nye. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. And at the urging of a loyal listener, Cindy Wilson, who went to see the movie, we also went to see the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we did want to see it. mm mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, certainly Cindy's, uh, recommendation pushed us over the edge right. and we ran out Yes. to find it. Right. Okay. Right. Apparently no one else was looking for it Yes. because we were the only people in the theater, a small theater. That happens once and, in a while. And well, it was on Monday afternoon.
1: We were, we're okay? the only people in the you theater. You
0: happened to be off from coaching. Yeah. So, uh, we sneaked into the theater. And, and uh, it was kind of funny. And so it's,
1: so we had heard of this movie because, you know, Bill Nye, we always... Everyone loves Bill Nye. And, uh, and yet the idea being that it was about a fellow who was an older man uh, who was a bureaucrat uh, who, um, you know, seemed to be living an uninspired life, gets the news that perhaps he's nearing the end of his life and how he responds to that seemed almost too on the nose to me, to be perfectly frank. I, I said to myself... Is this going to be sentimental? Is it going to be? It's so perfect for Bill Nye. It almost seems like it's going to be totally predictable, and therefore not watching. And yet, I love the movie. Loved the movie. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Yes, I did also.
1: Yeah, it was a a great. It was a great film. Very good, great film. Easily the best film I've seen in recent memory.
0: A very, what I would call simplex. What does that mean? It means that, uh, on the surface, it just seems very straightforward. Yeah. You know, not a ton of things are happening. And yet, uh, a lot is going on. Right. Emotionally and, uh, you know, just um, through, a, you know, kind of through this guy, but uh, also, also from him tentacles out to the other people. Uh, involved in the in his life, yeah, to some extent. I mean, well, it, it reflects and refracts,
1: yeah, all of these other people in, in unpredictable ways. And he he is you know sort of the champ of sort of a stillness and sort of an odd rhythm, uh, in in all his movies. And, and he withdraws you in. He kind of slows things down. You end up looking at him, and uh, we've seen him in in a play. We've seen him in films, and as I'm sure many of you have. Um, but he's extraordinary in this movie. Extraordinary. Even though you feel like you've seen this kind of thing before, uh, he's so evocative. It's 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 unbelievable. I, I thought I thought it was really moving.
0: Right. Do you think we're reading crazy things into his no. silences? No, it's not a matter of reading. It's books not, or whatever? You no, know, it's not what? a
1: matter of reading anything. You don't even have to read anything. And he's just so human that you are experiencing what the character is experiencing in a very vivid way. And, and I guess that, that's considered acting, right? Uh, it's, and he is nominated for Best Actor, which is in the Academy Awards, which is weird because this is not your standard Oscar-type film. Right? It's not nominated for Best Film or anything. It's an outlier. Mm-hmm. And you say to yourself, how did he score a Best Acting nomination in this kind of little celebrated film? uh and he's not that big a name but he is nominated uh and he's probably going to lose to the guy playing elvis presley you know which is a very different type of role austin Riley. but uh it would be wonderful if he won he's he's great yeah so the question always comes and this is the question i'm going to put to you you have the answer Whenever we see something like this, who would you recommend it to? Not who would you recommend it, but who would you recommend it no, to?
0: and you immediately say everyone. I would recommend it to everyone. Well, I'm
1: not saying that. Well, here's my you question. You did say that. You said could, that
0: to me immediately. All right.
1: I would yeah. recommend it to everyone. That's my answer. But would you just recommend it to older people, or what do you think?
0: I would, uh, yeah, I think it resonates more to somebody who's uh, thinking about their life. Yeah. Okay, which is... Largely older people looking back mm-hmm. or coming, uh, etc. cetera. Um, if you're a contemplative yeah. younger person, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I don't think... Uh, you know, he's looking at his life. He's looking at his relationships. Mm-hmm. He's looking at his children. Um, he's looking, to some extent, at his co-workers. But he's also... But, but... How other people assess their life. But, but he's
1: also, at, at the same time, it's a, it's a character study in that he is constrained in the way he sees things and feels things. He's very much a product by who he is, uh, by who he is what, and what he position is, he is in, the, in the class system. personal context. Right. That's and none what makes of it, it so is, interesting.
0: It's not like he's, you know, struggling at the last minute to put together a Facebook page or no. something. It's not achievement oriented. No. You know, uh, what have I done? Have mm-hmm. I done anything? You know, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, you know, uh, trying to deal with life and trying to deal with that sense of he just set out to do his job. Yeah. A boot. Yeah. That's what
1: he did. That's what he did. But and is now that, it's uh, all gone. And, and was that enough? And what I mean, was he doing? Yeah. What was but, you know, he doing? I, I, part of it is it's, it's built in. It's very hard to do justice to they're describing it because it's the way it, it goes much deeper than any description. So uh, anyway, and I recommend it to anyone and you perhaps a little less so. Right.
0: right, I would uh, I would be more cautious with my recommendation because yeah. I think it's awfully good, yeah. and uh, you don't want pe- people sitting in front of a film saying, "Well, this is supposed to be good." I no. don't get it. Yeah, all you right. Know? Uh, so uh, all right, it's
1: It'd be nice if he won the Academy Award, but he won't. So, um,
0: but so- I would say naive makes it accessible.
1: Yes. So the next, uh, so we got inspired to see films. Uh, and maybe that was a mistake. So the next film we saw, and this was on uh, the television, we dialed up Amsterdam, probably by mistake. It was my, uh, I was really looking for another movie, which we later saw. Amsterdam uh, being a David Russell movie. And it was the movie with a very big cast with Christian Bale and Margot Robbie and Taylor Swift and Robert De Niro, actual, uh, loosely based on events uh, in the late 30s. Uh, having to do with uh, American industrialists and uh, right-wing politics and views about the the coming uh, regime in Germany and the like. And it's played sort of in an arch manner, partly for laughs, partly for seriousness. And uh, what did you think of that movie? I didn't get it. Yeah, and I would say it was too silly for me. Yeah, I wouldn't say I didn't get it. It's, it's it's not a good movie. How about that? It, it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> I I just didn't quite enjoy yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it, it's too silly, and and it, it it. I was
0: on board at the beginning. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why. It's just a weird reason, because I'm familiar with the concept of sculptors, sculpting replacement faces soldiers who were injured in world war one strangely that's how, it started. that's how it starts. how in the out? world
1: are you familiar with that <laughs> it,
0: well because uh there are a lot of connections between uh, you know um some philadelphia and american uh sculptors and oh really the the stella elkins tyler school of art well, you and are coming from a strange place yeah, it's, it's very complicated yes but anyway it's a subject i've uh Thought about and read about a well, little bit well that, before, so I was I was into it, and God. then they lost me. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: so that's Christian Bale's character doing that. Christian Bale is the main character here, and as he sometimes does, Christian Bale plays a character that's unrecognizable at least compared to his own actual personality, nationality, accent, and everything. I, I guess that's considered acting for sure. Uh, and he basically is doing a Peter Falk impersonation. During the entire film. When I'm watching this, I'm saying, I cannot believe he's doing Even to the point that the character has a glass eye. And Peter Falk had a glass eye. Uh, uh, Peter Falk, for those of you, uh, uh, I don't know. uh, For younger people, the Princess Bride, the grandfather who reads the story. That's Peter Falk. Otherwise, you know him as Columbo. And it's just uncanny. And I actually looked it up. And he did say he kind of drew on Peter Falk. So I'm not making this all up.
0: Well, I loved... Colombo. Okay. No question about it. Did you it. see the this, connection? But this was, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> but this was very, this was very Dada-esque or yeah. something. I mean, oh, was,
1: ooh, okay. What does that mean? I know it's art, but.
0: Well, it's, it's kind of, you know, nonsense as art, art okay. as, you know, and didn't, didn't there seem to be a lot of nonsense and everything? Yeah, it became very it political
1: later to, yeah. right, after you dozed off. I mean, it, it uh, was kind of. Robert De Niro, who was good, but it was like he was in a different movie for the last half hour. So it, was, it was totally weird.
0: All right, so if, so see Amsterdam at your own risk. Yes, if you want to see a Peter Falk the impersonation, people who are not interested in living might yeah. want to uh, try Amsterdam.
1: No, I don't know. They, they might want to see see how they run, which is the movie I was trying to dial up when I saw caught Amsterdam and got confused. And see how they run is going sort to of a comic uh, murder mystery uh, taking place in uh god what was that uh, early in the 20th century relatively early maybe the 20s the 30s or something like that um in england uh and it's pretty much played for laughs uh and it's good and it's funny uh it's uh adrian brody uh sam rockwell uh saoirse ronan who's very funny she never i've never seen it in a funny part before um and uh it's kind of cute. It's like uh, it, it takes place around an acting troupe that's doing uh, an Agatha Christie play. And it's kind of a play in a play because this, too, is a murder mystery that's involved the acting troupe. Not that that kind of thing's never been done before. But it has. But it was it was funny. It was light. Uh, the music was good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And that one I am recommending to everyone. Okay. Everyone. See how they run. Okay. All right. All right. Enough movies. Enough movies. All right. So here's an article yeah, I gave did, you.
0: We we did step into movies for a while. Yeah, we'll, we'll we try were it again. Willing to take that bigger bite. Yeah. Of of time because yeah. we've been mostly watching series. Yeah. Which is like you know forty minutes or right. something, and we're out.
1: Well, we had mixed but, success. But, uh, yeah.
0: So we'll see what what uh, what's up next.
1: Okay. So you had uh, the article about uh, Catherine Maragon
0: yeah very uh, kind of fun discovery in England. a guy goes out for a walk yeah he's a little depressed uh, his dog has died of cancer so he's he's bought a metal detector he's a young guy thirty four as one does years yes, old. right and he's out walking around with his metal detector looking for stuff yeah and uh he he's uh, the alarm goes off yeah. like crazy he figures oh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of metal must be a soda can yeah And it turns out to be a gold, heart-shaped kind of uh, locket thing, 500 years old, with the initials of uh, Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon on it. So how cool is that? You know, just in the dirt there, on a friend's property. Right. Um, And so this was in 2019. He's since uh, you had it authenticated. It is as old as it's supposed to be. It looks a little bit crude to people. Yeah. You know, so it seems like it was made in a hurry. Mm. So the thought is perhaps it was some kind of part of a swag bag for one of his jousting tournaments, Mm -hmm. you know, or somebody wore it as part of their, you know uniform or costume or something like that it was it was, didn't seem like something that was finely crafted mm-hmm. you know for the queen's uh you know uh um what would you call it uh, her wardrobe mm-hmm. whatever so you know they're continuing to uh uh inspect it i guess uh probably this guy will make some money to the extent he makes a bunch of money he's splitting it with his friend on whose property he found it. Well, good. It, and um, he hopes to be able, he says, this was found in the area of Birmingham, uh, England. Mm-hmm. He says which uh, he's from, and it's a rough kind of area. He would be glad to be able to give his son enough education to uh, get up and beyond mm-hmm. uh, Birmingham a All little right. bit. Oh, that's so but that's you know that's kind of fun. He knew immediately it was kind of something because it was just so darn heavy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it was a real thing, oh Bob. All
1: right. Well, that's great. I mean, we also get metal detectors. that's what this tells me.
0: Well, that's what they tell you. They said um, they, in, in the process they recorded it on some site that you know has all ar- archaeological finds. There were like 47,000 archaeological finds. In the in England, in I think it was two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay, ninety six percent of them are found by metal detectors.
1: Hmm.
0: So you have a pretty good
1: all right well, that's, chance. Of- that's our next investment. Um, you know, I was just thinking the Apple Watch probably could do that, or they could teach it to do that to act like a metal detector. And so the next story is about the Apple Watch, which you've seen the ads. Where they say that here's the great thing about the Apple Watch: if you get into a car collision or something like that, if you're in yeah, uh, yeah, it, there have it been sends some a message.
0: Extraordinary uh, accidents yeah. on the news recently, where people were rescued right, because, they that because Apple of Watch. their Apple Watch.
1: Right. Well, here's the problem: uh, that the Apple Watch, that device, works on, as they describe it here in the article, uh, an algorithm uh, related to wrist movements. And it's basically, the prompt is if your wrist moves in a funny way or snaps in a funny way, the signal, the distress call goes out. And it turns out that your wrist snaps in a funny way when you're skiing. A lot. Yeah. A lot. (laughs) Yeah. Even when you're not getting killed. Even when you're just skiing, you're not even falling down. Well, well,
0: mostly I would be getting killed Yeah, well, skiing. that's you. Put yourself so out of this, okay? I definitely should no, 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 wear this, the Apple Watch while skiing. Not about you. While skiing. Not the point. Okay. Not you. All right.
1: All right. This is somebody else who can ski, who's wearing the Apple Watch, is having the afternoon of their life, and then they're contacting- I can ski. Now, I I just can, can ski again, badly. not about you. Not right. about you. All right. Okay. Someone else so is skiing, it. having the time of their life, and they get suddenly they're pulled over suddenly they get by risky. an EMT, <laughs> right? and they say- we understand from your watch you're in distress. And they go, what are you talking about? And it turns out their Apple Watch has sent an emergency message, which is picked up by the Ski Patrol. that the, the Apple Watch is, is designed in such a way that it will send a message to the Ski Patrol. I
0: wonder if uh, our um, the only member of our Ski Patrol audience, Pam Borg, has yes. uh, run into this at all. I'm
1: sure she has. Because what they're saying is, and they, they just give one example of one particular Ski Patrol In Colorado, in Summit County, which is where Pam is, that they're getting twice, three times as many calls for distress calls than they normally get. And most of them are Apple Watch situations where the person's actually not in distress. And the result is they can't do their jobs uh, because they can't respond all these funny calls and re- and at the same time right. respond correctly to the, the, the real calls.
0: People who are in distress.
1: And uh, as one uh, dispatcher puts it, quote, Apple needs to put in their own call center if this is a feature they want because it's killing us yeah. and we can't do it. So they contacted Apple um, and Apple says uh, – Apple's quote is, um, well, uh, you know, the crash detection and fall detection designed to get – Users help when they need it most, and it has already contributed to saving several lives. Nice. True as far as it goes, but it doesn't really address this situation. Apple also says that there's a way for this the person wearing the watch, they know when the call goes out, and they have ten seconds to cancel the call. The problem is when you're wearing all this clothing and you're skiing, you know, you are not necessarily hearing this or paying attention to it, nor do you want to because right. you're in the zone skiing.
0: You're to just right. zoom over, come yeah. to a complete stop. Right. You know, deal, so, with, deal with your Apple emergency and then go back no.
1: So this is a thing. This is a huge, no, right. it's a it's serious problem for these ski resorts. It's, not a, it's not a huge problem. It's not a huge problem, problem but it is a problem. It's a problem
0: for some skiers in it's,
1: Colorado. Again, uh, no, it's a problem for the ski own resorts. Who Apple watches. Okay? That's right. Well, that's, that, that's a lot of people. Go for, ahead.
0: For a lot of us, it's not a problem at all.
1: Okay. So you have, uh, uh, yeah, you have a couple of sports things. Hockey and pickleball.
0: Well, pickleball. Speaking of pickleball, I mean, uh, we had some visitors here over the weekend, and yeah. uh, immediately they got out the pickleball net because it went up to 40 degrees.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, they put out, they were playing pickleball like crazy, Granger and Nico. Yeah. Um, out on the basketball court. Yeah. And uh, that reminds you, you know, people are loving playing basketball, pick, pickleball, pickleball. Uh, so the question is, because we've heard all these stories about uh, celebrities investing in professional pickleball. Will people definitely play pickleball? People love to play pickleball. Yeah. But would they watch pickleball? Yeah, are they
1: going to support professional pickleball? By gonna, watching it, yeah, by watching is it, is it a
0: spectator sport, right? And uh, you know, the people who are putting the money in, yeah, are saying, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, people are gonna love this. Um, but the problem, one of the big problems is that uh, you like to watch things that are hard to do, mm-hmm. and pickleball is always described as so accessible, right? All right, um. And uh, they're not sure that the pickleball game is going to provide moments where you're saying, wow, those people can do things we could never do. Right. Um, Which uh, seems impressive. So I I think the jury is out about whether...
1: jury. Well, the jury may be out, but I'll give you the answer. What? This is going to be unsuccessful. Yeah. Yeah. I know (laughs) that we
0: desperately tried to watch... A pickleball special on TV. I, I, well,
1: that was silly. That desperately, was, yeah, yeah. We that was, tried very hard. No, we didn't try as desperately as it the was, people who it made it. It was some so we're
0: tournament uh, sponsored by, hosted by Stephen Colbert. Yeah, it was. It was
1: perhaps the worst television we've uh, experienced and it in was years.
0: Extremely awful. Yeah. It was unwatchable. But that's not what they're talking about. But that, but that was a silly show.
1: Right. Okay. So this is competitive pickleball, which I have watched for a few minutes. Have you? Yes. No. Okay. Uh, but it, I hadn't put my finger on why it was boring, but I think you have put your finger on it. It's like uh, watching someone uh, use a, you know, a cigarette lighter, you know, and you see watch them do it, and maybe you know how many times they do it before the thing doesn't work. You go, okay, oh, 25 20 right up, oh, didn't work at thirty-six. You go, well, fine, let's move on. So it's uh, it's, it's fun not interesting you
0: play, not necessarily.
1: Well, but that but see that sheds But up Apparently, what?
0: there are three like. Major leagues set up or there, there, something.
1: There's like no shortage of people looking to spend their money and setting up sports leagues. I think they, that
0: Tom Brady needs something to do.
1: Well, that's for sure. But uh, listen, I think there's something to the idea. That's how
0: the divorce came about.
1: What? He had nothing to do?
0: No. His wife said, if you're invested in this, I'm out of here. This, really? This is silliness. Well, if I you're invested in your mind, you now. would. You
1: That would split us up. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I will say... No, but we were talking about this before. Now that you've made the point, which you hadn't said before, but it's clearly right, that it's almost too easy. Uh, there are a lot of sports people watch. They don't play out professional ice hockey, and they watch ice hockey, right? Right. right? Because it's hard, and it's kind of amazing they do it. Yeah. But there's no relationship between the doing it and uh, and the and the interest in watching it, you know? Yeah, but
0: there's also a football, certain level of
1: professional football. No one of plays rhythm football. Rhythm
0: and fun in the game itself and how it proceeds. I understand, but but, so, but
1: you you wouldn't. There's not this strong connection saying, well, the people really enjoy watching hockey and people play it. That's not that's not the case.
0: I wonder if there's a way to structure games in pickleball so that it's just more
1: engaging. I don't know. I'm not. I think they'll be out of business soon. If we don't have to worry about it. So you do have a hockey article though. That's that's where I'm getting at. That. That's right. where we're going.
0: Well, it turns out hockey players are not lazy.
1: Well, we knew that. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the thing is, well, you know, you're hearing all these stories about uh, load management. In sports. Yeah. In sports. Yeah. Okay. Which means that uh, players get days off. Okay. So that they, with, with the idea that uh, they have better health. Right. They have better physical health they don't are not as prone to injury, maybe they have better mental health as well. But I don't even
1: know it's a big thing in basketball it's a big thing yeah, and, and, and,
0: and and again, it's been on the television well you have you know young uh, there was a young kid who traveled miles and miles to see a particular favorite star right. and he got there and it was not his night to play right and uh, you know of course, the kid was devastated and they came
1: down and gave him a uniform. To make them right. feel better. But right. but the actual guy did general, not come down. Right? I mean
0: you have people paying right. well, well, quite a bit of money there for is, tickets it, it is to com- games and they may not see the the people they're interested in. Well it's in.
1: controversial for two reasons. One is that's the main reason, the one you just identified, but also as Granger has told me, he said there are studies that show that load management actually has no effect in in lessening in lessening injuries in yeah. basketball players. It yeah. just gives them a the night off. But in any event, they don't do that in hockey. Yeah. They don't do that in hockey. And the, so, why? It's just because they're tougher?
0: Well, for one thing, they are tougher. I, I, not, I will tell not you ra- that right now. I'm not going to argue that. They are hockey players are tough. Um, but here's the deal: they only play out of a few minutes. First of all, they only play a minute at a time. Yeah, that's what maybe. Always, yeah, they go on for 45 second to 60 second shifts. Yeah. No matter how big and strong they are, how fit they are. That's how long the shift is. Yeah. Okay. And then they recover. All right. So in a, an entire game, they may play
1: 27 it's, minutes. 27 is a very high number. Okay. Usually, the most leads guys are playing like 20 One minutes. One guy leads the leads league. league with 27 minutes. But most players
0: average are, 22 minutes.
1: Yeah, 22 minutes a game. Whereas the guys in the basketball, where they're playing, the stars are playing 40 minutes out of 48 or something, or right. 35 out of yeah. 48. Different thing.
0: Now, the exception to that is, of course, the goalie
1: goalie plays the whole the time there the whole but they time. actually do give the goalie and days and they off. do
0: rotate the goalies right. and, and so on and try to be sensitive right. to that but here's the thing the other thing is um, they play through all kinds of uh, injuries they do okay mm. first of all it's not because you're gliding around yeah all right you're not as subject to as many stresses. Right. You know, on the bone structure, et cetera. You won't have uh, the same
1: kind of muscular skeletal injuries that you right, have in other right. cases. It's kind of but a smoother also, it's a smoother movement. It's a smoother movement.
0: People get broken feet. They play. And they keep playing. Well they explain and that. And the doctors say they can do that. Because of the hockey boot,
1: it it's, okay? it immobilizes have, the foot.
0: Yeah, they have support, and you're putting it and on as long as their swollen feet can be stuffed into the skates. Well, they can keep going. The other
1: thing is, it's near ice, so the swelling is going down because it's very near the cold. ice. <laughs> so it, the that. whole thing's uh, a win-win.
0: So it's like they already have They have an instant cast. there. Yeah. they're already in a cast. Even though it's broken, and uh, the one the Bruins uh, defenseman Connor Clifton sums it up: "We want to play games and be in those situations together." So they're they're gonna they're gonna It is it is
1: interesting that it's a very different approach in those two sports. Very different approach. Yeah. So, you know, there's, as always... But the way
0: the sport is played facilitates being able to do that. Yeah. Because you're on for a few seconds and you're off. Yeah, all right. And you're moving too fast for anybody to really smash you to smithereens. Well,
1: maybe they should have bigger rosters on the NBA and uh, do it that way. Uh, You know, substitute more. I mean, that might be a way to do it. The... uh, Yeah,
0: that's going to, I think, raise all kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a certain... Don't you... Get into...
1: The flow? Yeah.
0: Well, not just getting into the flow, but uh, you develop uh, the stars. Yeah. Th- the guys. You- yeah. You're more... and uh, The longer they're out on the uh, court doing things yeah. and turning things around... and. You're not more invested in them because they're there and you see them?
1: Yeah. But look, I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm making a suggestion that no one's following. So so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Well,
0: that's not a new thing for you, is it? (laughs) No.
1: So uh, Sports Illustrated is in the news. And look, there are a lot of chatbot articles. But it turns out that the... (laughs) You know, people keep saying oh, those chatbots, or chatbots going to be used to write newspaper articles, to write magazine articles, to write books, to do people's homework. I How are we bet going to there tell? Are a lot
0: of Valentine notes going out from chatbots this uh, week.
1: There might be, but uh, apparently, the publisher of Sports Illustrated, which is called the Arena Group Holdings, has several magazines which have, for some time, been publishing articles that were done by an AI-generated source. Let's call it Chapman.
0: When you say sometime, do you have an idea of how much? I'll, gi-
1: I'll give you the name. of uh, uh, They just say they don't have the specifics here. They say some articles in Men's Journal are already AI generated.
0: So it's Men's Health Journal? Yeah,
1: Men's Journal is the example they use, but it's not yeah. the only one. So, it's, and here's the reason. If you think about the articles, um, you can understand why. Well, we so never a,
0: think about the articles. No, but here's the
1: article. Here's an article. Proven tips to help you run your fastest mile yet. Or here's another article. The best ways for men over 40 to maintain muscle. Well, what happens in those articles is the AI just searches in all these previous issues. Right. And what's anything was ever written on those subjects and compiles it in an article about it. Right. Which is, you know, halfway between, uh, information and drivel. And, and I can tell you from reading those articles over the years. <laughs> They are halfway between information and dribble. You, I didn't you know. You try were... to read the articles. You I mean, can't. It's that's They're one terrible. of those
0: magazines that somehow shows up at your house. Yeah, it comes free with something. Right, and then it comes to your house the rest of your life. Yeah, you can't do anything right? about it. And we have at times. Yeah, tried to read various articles. You you, you can't you, read. It will have some alluring thing. Right, you know that says, "Oh wow, this is going to change my life." I'm going to. I'm a man over have, forty, maintaining and they muscle. And have always been right. remarkably bad. Yeah, remarkably bad. Right, and now I guess there's a reason. Yeah, well,
1: they're AI articles. They're, just, they're not so much bad as, as empty, vacuous, thin. How's that? Yeah, uh, they, but I would
0: qualify that as bad. Yeah,
1: okay. They, they look and they smell like a magazine article, but there's something short of it. And they're just warmed over uh, half thoughts.
0: And they never really seem to answer the question. And we just thought that was a, a style of writing.
1: Well, I thought so too. And frankly, even if a normal person was writing it, they'd write the same article. I mean, it you would be the so? same dribble, yeah. Yeah. But, um, this is not an expose. They're not saying this is a terrible thing. The article I'm reading is saying, okay, so now they can put they're out magazines <laughs> even more cheaply than they did before. And of course, what's the immediate concern? They're going to be putting writers out of work, God forbid, because the writers who are doing these articles were skilled practitioners. And no, they're going I think be put the writers the have already
0: been put out of work. Yeah.
1: So, well, that's what they're addressing. They're saying, no, no, that's not happening. It'll just give them a chance to uh, hone their craft, to take the first draft and really work on it or something. But, um... It is kind of alarming, but not surprising that those articles are AI-generated. It's in. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. It's happening.
0: We didn't even know it.
1: Yeah. All right. Valentine's Day. You're already saying something about Valentine's Day. There is an article in the Times it's addressing the age-old question, what do you do? In terms of going out on Valentine's Day. And you have always... I don't
0: even know why you brought this to my attention.
1: I did because it confirms the advice that you've always given me.
0: Well, it's it's written by Nikita Richardson, who used to write for Grub Street, you know, New York Magazine's Grub Street okay. website. All is right. food news. And she used to write a column like, uh, you know, it's, would ask a bunch of, uh, you know... Um, colleagues, yeah. food business colleagues, yeah. uh, where they would eat, yeah, for Valentine's Day would be one of her most popular versions of the of the column, okay. And uh, basically you know, a lot of them say, don't eat out on Valentine's Day. It's too stressful. it's too busy. yeah you know, you, you just it's, it's impossible to get a good meal.
1: Right, which is what you've always told me, much to my delight. As I was, you know, trying to get some, score some kind of reservation, you would say, "No, we don't do that." I think your phrase has always been uh, Valentine's Day is for amateurs. It's for amateurs. That's right. uh, it, it's. You don't want to go to a restaurant on that day. It's it's this huge mistake, and that's basically what the article says. They introduce various people, including Sam Sifton, who's who well, I think is their main restaurant reviewer there in the Times, and he says, "Yeah, my advice is don't eat out." And several other people well, say the same thing. Well, not effect.
0: on this day. Yeah,
1: on another day in February. Right. Yeah,
0: or you know, or some other day of the year. Right. And uh, and, and they do all come up with the uh, charming, romantic, right, restaurants. But
1: but pick another day. That's our advice. But
0: there was another article in the. New York Times about uh, one if by land, two if by sea. You're kidding.
1: Even now, it's still open? It's
0: still there? It's a famously romantic restaurant. We went there. They have several uh, proposals at like every meal.
1: Is it? It's famous for wedding no, proposals, not Valentine's Day. Just all all the time. All the time. Well, all the time. That's funny. I didn't see that. And article. they
0: will, you know, they they will help you uh, choreograph it. Oh, you're it. Uh, No, you know. No,
1: I remember, and this is going back a few years. I remember reading in Zagat or something, probably uh, one if by land. They had a list of uh, romantic restaurants. The most romantic restaurant, one if by land, two if by sea, and uh, we went there. How did, how did we like it?
0: I don't even remember. But we did go. Did we?
1: Yes, we went. Okay. We definitely went, yeah. honey. All right. And uh, it must have been very romantic, but it didn't make an impression on you. <laughs> uh, well, that's too bad. But uh, no, it was nice. There was like a fireplace. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, the truth is it was kind of big. It, it wasn't a teeny small uh-huh. intimate situation. Uh-huh. So uh, you know, between you and me, we've been to much more romantic restaurants. They've been they've been smaller, more intimate, almost in like places. Yeah, um, but they,
0: but it's hard for anything to be romantic on Valentine's Day because yeah. they're just too harried. Yeah, you know, too be too crazy, and you're badly wanting everything to be absolutely perfect, which is hard to do. You know, the best restaurant meals happened serendipitous serendipitously yeah. i think yeah like all great meals
1: yeah <laughs> so yeah. anyway all right so uh you i just want to tell everybody they're off the hook in terms of going out for valentine's day uh, off the hook officially you're welcome and uh, right, finally man, the uh there's an obituary uh which is just odd of a fellow named john adams here i'll just read the headline john adams who banged his drum loudly for the cleveland indians okay um and uh, what is who's is John Adams? John Adams is a guy who in 1973 brought a uh, big bass drum to a Cleveland Indian baseball game, sat in the bleachers and would bang the drum during critical movements, uh, moments of the game. And uh, people would clap along once in a while. And this was sufficiently intoxicating for him and and appealing to the fans and the stands that he did this uh, since 1973, over 3,700 home games. He was a constant presence in Cleveland, uh, banging the drum. Now, my first what reaction to this was... Everybody has their niche. Yeah, well, he did, he did say, God didn't give me the reflexes to play in the field, but every time I swing at the drum, I get a hit. So it's instant gratification. Well, I... I I can understand why it was useful for him, and he thought he was, you know, having a good time. But is this really a thing? It turns out it's more of a thing than I realized. Uh, They did a bobblehead doll of him in Cleveland in 2006. Uh, Great Lakes Brewing introduced a rally drum red ale in his honor. So there's a beer named after him. He's in the Cleveland Indian Hall of Fame. And it turns out there are other examples in other fields um, of people doing similar things. A city field, there's a guy who rings a cowbell. They give his name here at Yankee Stadium. Uh, there's a guy who bangs a spoon against the frying pan. And they go on and on. All these guys, uh, different stadiums, which I wouldn't have thought merited mention mentioned in the New York Times, but then again, here we are. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a thing. What can I tell you? The one, uh, the tell in the entire article, you're reading this, saying this guy, uh, okay, Uh and at the end, of course, as, as one does in these obituaries, they talk about his survivors. They say Mr. Adams is survived by his sister. His marriage in 1978 to Kathleen Murray, whom he met in the bleachers at Municipal Stadium, ended in divorce. And uh, no kidding. Uh, so that was predictable. Uh, so in any event, uh, there you go. We say goodbye to John Adams, uh, who banged the drum. Uh, for the Cleveland Indians, who are now called the Cleveland Guardians, um, so that's all we have uh, this week.
0: Well, you realize,
1: <laughs> you realize yes, we're fighting cult. Yes, realize what—that
0: you do. You know, I, I know you love these little announcements about how no one has to go out to Valentine's dinner. Right, it is only putting pressure on the people responsible for making the Valentine's dinner when you don't go
1: out. What do you, what do you mean? I'm ruining what their do you business. Mean? What I'm ruining their business? What are no, you saying? No,
0: no, you're you're just making it harder on me. You know this is,
1: you harder know. on you. Why? Because I
0: have to make Valentine's I'll, dinner.
1: We'll do takeout if
0: we stay in. We'll do, somebody's got to make the dinner. We'll do, Ain't going to be you.
1: We'll do takeout, honey. We'll
0: do takeout. We'll work yeah. it out. We'll That's, work. It. I think the pandemic has told us just how good takeout All right. can
1: be. We'll work it out. We'll All work right. it out. All right. So uh, until next week, we'll see you. Until then, I guess uh, happy Valentine's day.
0: Right, this is Tamsin Grace. And Dan Abuel. Tamsin and Dan read the paper. Have a good one.